this was a huge gamble. We had just one little tiny orchard of peaches um, back in the 90s. So we decided, well, let's do a peach festival. We'll get everyone out um, to pick their own peaches. That way we don't have to try to sell them off the farm. We just put the word out that we were doing this peach festival, not knowing if anyone would come. We were sold out of peaches in three hours. Welcome to For the Love of Mesa, the show where you get to meet our makers, the people who are turning Mesa, Arizona into the hottest hotspot in the Southwest. I'm Brian Nissen, and on the show today, agritourism and the fresh foodie trail, how restaurants and breweries are working with local growers and farmers to create a special dining experience, and how Mesa has partnered with its neighbors to create a thriving agritourism movement here in the desert. My father grew up in the late 40s and early 50s on a Michigan farm. Every day he had to get up at 5 a.m. to milk the cows before he went to school, only to repeat the whole process when he got home. His weekends were spent planting, picking, baling, and driving the tractor. Farm work wasn't exactly how he wanted to spend his days. So one day, when his buddies showed up at the farm and told him he could do his basic training in San Diego if he signed up that day, his farming days were done. If you would have told my dad then that someday people would lay down good money to visit a farm and do the work he did as a teenager, he'd say characteristically, you gotta be kidding me. But it's true. Agritourism is alive and well in Mesa, and so is its near cousin, farm-to-table dining. Michelle Streeter, Chief Communications and Content Officer for Visit Mesa, coined the phrase, Fresh Foodie Trail. We were going through a brand audit. What do people want to do when they come to Mesa? So we, we got all that feedback from folks that they just, you know, love food. People love food. And so what people love even more is knowing where their food is coming from. And so that's really what we created is we developed this brand pillar for Visit Mesa called Fresh Foodie. And then we really took the roadmap and kind of looked at all the boutique farms, but also a new term called agritourism um, and put it together and created the Fresh Foodie Trail. Michelle took me on a Fresh Foodie virtual tour. So it kind of starts in Mesa with Jalapeno Bucks, which is this incredible just mom and pop stop in the middle of one of Arizona's oldest citrus orchards. Right. Um, the fact that Food and Wine magazine said that they are the best barbecue in Arizona. Wow. That's when, pretty impressive. When you've got a pretty famous barbecue place in uh, Gilbert. We have a lot of good barbecue, but yep. Mesa's making the top ranks. Wow. So that's important to share. and. Um, it's an experience in and of itself. I mean, yes, people are in line for the barbecue and the salsas and the sauces, but look at your setting. You are in a original orchard that dates back to the early 1900s. Yeah. So that's really part of that. That That's that agritourism, right? Yeah. And then you go from there over to a newer spot called True Garden Urban Farm, where they're changing the narrative of how to grow in the desert and how to really talk about sustainability. So they're doing all the the hydroponics on a small footprint um, because it's all vertical farming. They're kind of a laboratory on how farming might need to look in the future. 
Exactly. From there, we took a turn toward a downtown bakery. Proof Bread here on Main Street, who's doing um, the old European style of sourdough, but what they're doing is doing classes, you know, and that's part of the Fresh Foodie Trail too. It's not just going to eat, it's also coming back with education. The Queen Creek Olive Mill just started their pizza making classes. One of the most popular fun things to do is to make true authentic Italian pizza. They have um, on the half hour these Olive 101 tours. They're doing incredible infused oils, you know, so there's flavor there. They do garlic, vanilla, chocolate, Mexican lime. This is all olive oil, but when they're doing, you know, the crushed basil, they're working with another Arizona grower. Collaboration is a main feature of the Fresh Foodie Trail. You can go up to 12 different spots on the Fresh Foodie Trail. So it does weave into Gilbert. You've got Agritopia there. They actually um, partner with us to help promote them as an attraction on the trail. Then you can go into Queen Creek and the Southeast Valley. You've got um, even Hayden Flower Mills out there is on the trail. I suppose it makes sense to partner with other Uh, neighboring towns. It absolutely does. You see that all across um, the destination marketing world. So we really do our job being a steward to the entire East Valley. That's part of the brand um, that we trademarked, City Limitless, because that's the idea. We're not putting a border up for anybody that's coming to Mesa. So we encourage people that are coming out on the Fresh Foodie Trail to go into our Southeast towns, the town of Gilbert and the town of Queen Creek. They partner with Visit Mesa as part of that as well. And we're grateful for the partners, right? We are nothing without their stories to tell. They lift us, we lift them. There is an incredible story to tell about how fertile our desert soil is. And that, I think, is what is um, part of the appeal. That's what people are most surprised at. Like, how are you growing wheat? Wheat is grown in the middle of the country. And it's like, no, actually, some of the best wheat is grown right here in the town of Queen Creek. In fact, Martha Stewart gave Hayden Flour Mills at Sossaman Farms, gave them her America Made Award. And they're constantly winning accolades mm. um, for what they're doing out there with uh, their preservation of heritage grains and heirloom uh, grains. So it's an incredible story. What kind of responses are you getting? Incredible responses. Yeah. So we, when we first launched it, the Arizona Office of Tourism recognized um, the effort that we put behind the Fresh Foodie Trail and gave us one of the best marketing awards at their Governor's Conference on Tourism. Budget Travel said it is the culinary mother load that you have to um, see to believe. Mm-hmm. These are labors of love, these yeah. boutique farms. We wanted to harvest a couple of those great stories from the Fresh Foodie Trail. So we spoke to Mark Schneff of Schneff Farms in Queen Creek and also to Matt Trethaway from Mesa's very popular Beer Research Institute. First, Mark Schneff. My family came in the 1880s, and uh, and my wife's family came in the 1880s. Oh, you guys are pioneer royalty or something. Uh, I don't know I, what kind of know. title. <laughs> I don't know if royalty uh, exists in the pioneer world. But my grandfather heard about some cheap desert land out in a little place called Rittenhouse. It wasn't called Queen Creek in those days. Oh, wow. Okay. And I didn't know so that. so he went out and bought a section of ground, 640 acres. He paid $25 an acre for oh, it. Oh, my heavens. Uh, so he drove my grandmother out. She took a look and said, no, I'm not living out here. It's way too primitive. But she stayed, and they raised seven children there. Mark's dad was the oldest. He expanded the farm to 5,000 acres, and in the 60s, planted the first peach orchard. 
it was a, an amazing area to grow things. The desert was incredibly rich, and you don't think of the desert as being yeah. uh, nutrient-rich, but it was. But the 1980s brought a farming crisis. In 1991, the farm wasn't doing well, and, and we knew we had to transition and do something different, so we brought in education, educational tours and started doing um, small festivals and events on the farm. Who were you educating about what? Uh, school kids on where their food comes from. Education didn't bring in a lot of money, but... It exposed us because the kids had a great time when they were out to the farm and they wanted mom and dad to bring them out to the farm because we had a petting zoo and we had a train and a carousel and things that they just really, they had a great time at. And we coined the phrase agritainment. We would, Carrie and I would tour around the country, get ideas from other farms that were well-established and already doing this and bring the best ideas back to the farm. Can you tell me about the moment when you knew you had something? I imagine you entered into this like everyone else enters into business, not sure if it would work? Absolutely. This was a huge gamble. We had just one little tiny orchard of peaches um, back in the 90s. The first year that we um, had uh, our peach festival, we decided, well, let's do a peach festival. We'll get everyone out um, to pick their own peaches. That way we don't have to try to sell them off the farm. We just put the word out that we were doing this peach festival, not knowing if anyone would come. We were sold out of peaches in three hours. We knew we had a success. We knew we were on the right path. So I immediately started planting more orchards, and we never could catch up with demand. Every single year, the event grew and grew and grew until the the point where we were getting um, 25, 30,000 people coming out for a peach festival over a weekend, and, and we just couldn't sustain that. So we finally said, okay, no more festival. We've got to spread out this crowd. We'll simply have peach season. We'll let people know online because by then we had the internet. So we started issuing tickets uh, with times. That way we can control the number of people that are in the orchards at any one particular time. I love this. I mean, this seems like such a genius idea. You got rid of all the distribution costs (laughs) of your peaches and got people to come out and pick them. And you probably sell them at a a higher rate. At a premium, absolutely. At a premium rate because they're getting an experience. Well, it's not just the experience. It's the fact that when when you buy a peach in the grocery store, they have to pick that peach green. Uh, We're able to leave the peaches on the trees until they're ripe. They have amazing flavor. They have amazing juice, something that you just can't buy in a grocery store. And so people are happy to make the drive out to the farm, yeah. pay the premium, have the experience, and get the best tasting peaches they've ever had. We're super proud of the peaches. I think they're the finest peaches anywhere. We've had plenty of people from Georgia, and you know, they, they come to the farm and they say, listen, I'm from Georgia. And yeah. I really didn't want to be here because we have the best peaches in Georgia. <laughs> but once they taste ours. Yeah. He didn't even have to finish the sentence. But it isn't just peaches that kept Schneff Farms alive. Entertainment really is kind of the thing that keeps the farm a farm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the land is incredibly valuable, a lot more than $25 an acre now. And uh, if we were farming regular row crops, we probably would have sold out for development by now. Yeah, right. It's because we uh, have the agritainment and people come and they can buy things at at the bakery or the candy shop or pay for a train ride or... Um, come to a festival or event, that's what really supports the agricultural part. And, and we're able to, to keep it a farm. And otherwise, it, Schneff Farms wouldn't be there. So we're, you know, we feel real fortunate that we've kind of figured out a formula yeah. uh, to where we can uh, stay in business. Read any list of great things to do in Arizona, and you'll see Schneff Farms. BRI, or Beer Research Institute, has its own origin story. Here's Matt Trethaway. 
I've always been a do-it-yourself kind of guy. I've, I've had a garden in my backyard since, you know, since I was a little kid. My mom always had one. And, and so one day it just occurred to me that, you know, hey, if these guys can make beer, I can probably make beer too. One year I just broke down. I went and I bought a home brewing kit and uh, made the worst beer I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Drain and, pour, they call it. No, no, we didn't. I drank every <laughs> drop of it. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't what I wanted it to be. Yeah. But what it was is it was absolutely a hook. It grabbed me. And so I just started just very um, uh, feverishly uh, making homebrew like every every chance I had on, on weekends. I was in the garage and I was making homebrew. So when did this passion become BRI? I had I had some friends over one night and we went out to the garage to get some beers out of the cooler and uh, my friend saw my my homebrew set up all the pots and kettles and stuff and he said you know what's going on over here and kind of invited himself you know yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. next time you're brewing like let me uh, let me come over so we we homebrew for just shy of ten years and went to about 350 different craft breweries around the country uh, combined uh, in that time and, you know, really trying to see what they're doing and cherry pick those best uh, practices, uh, brought some of those into, into our house. And, and one day I, I looked at my, my buddy and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not working for anybody else anymore. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I'm, I'm going to open a brewery and uh, you know, you should, probably think about coming along with that with this ride and so at the end of 2014 we got the uh, uh the brew pub opened and we started on a very very small uh five barrel system uh wow and we realized very quickly that we couldn't produce enough beer to uh keep our ourselves going you kind of had mark's experience when you opened your doors yeah that's what it sounded had, like we we uh we we opened up to um a very uh humbling uh wild success and it was <laughs> Timing was impeccable. Uh, it was like right in the beginning of the huge wave of craft beverage of craft beverage here in Arizona. So we were number thirty-four in okay. the state, uh, and currently I believe there's over 110, 115 breweries in the state of Arizona. So we're uh, you know we're seven and a half years in right now, and we're kind of the old guard. At yeah, this right. Point. And and that's uh, that's just wild to me. Soon it was time to open a second location. But this was the mid-aughts, and downtown wasn't quite ready. But then I always, I always circle back to downtown Mesa. I always, you know, I always do little real estate drives, right? Yep. And so I circle back, and then our good friends over at Cybercore they opened up, and they are just wildly successful. Uh, and then you know we've got friends over at, at Oral Brewing Company that have, uh, you know, they've carved their niche out. Yep. And so as I watch these things happen, uh, and you know, I watch the completion of the light rail. And I see some restaurants pop up and do, uh, you know, some good business. Uh, it, it was finally time. BRI's Tap Room and Arcade opened just west of Robeson in April. Schnepp Farms and BRI. Two great stories and two great stops along the Fresh Foodie Trail. But that's not where the connection ends. Matt Trethaway has a very popular beer. It is a Imperial Belgian Blonde. Just fine as it is, thank you very much. But then one year as as the peach picking season was coming up, uh, I said, hey, we should we should probably put this on some fruit and just give that a spin. Yeah. And uh, so we went out and, you know, did the same thing everybody else did. We were down there throwing elbows with people trying to get the right peaches, <laughs> picked a bunch of peaches. And we decided that we were going to put a pound of fruit per gallon of beer into this recipe. Uh, it's it's a hit. Now, every year we uh, we make that in May. 
and we release it on Father's Day, and we just very simply call it Peach Lolly. I, I, I love that. I love to, to take what I grow yeah. and and see it mixed in with something that is also local because mm-hmm. our peaches are seasonal. They don't last very long. That's a neat idea that it, it kind of extends the season of when your peaches get tasted, right? Exactly. Because it exists in this other form. Right. Just a quick aside. I don't know what variety it is, but the ones we always look for, it's a very, very small, small peach. peach. It's the Florida Prince. Okay. Yeah. That is the juiciest, sweetest, most delicious peach I've ever had. Thank you. That's usually what we look for. It is just a juice bomb. Like Did you, you, discover- you you can't you can't <laughs> eat that peach unless you're you have to kind of like hunch over to hunch eat over, that. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. That's the spirit of the fresh foodie trail, says Michelle. Collaboration and cooperation. But for Mark and Matt, that's just the beginning. You serve in your place sure. a lot of uh, local food, right? Yeah, yeah. All of our beef that we bring in is uh, Arizona grass-fed beef. Uh, we've got an amazing uh, uh, relationship with a local uh, cattle farmer. And uh, what we do with them is we provide them with all of our spent grain. Yep. Uh, they then, in turn, feed their their cattle. So we got some drunk cows out there, which is, <laughs> which is probably probably a nice little treat for them. Uh, They're but, easier to tip. I yeah. Understand. Well, you know, we went out to the farm and uh, and I asked if, if we were going to be cow tipping that day. And uh, Jacob just kind of laughed at me and said, you go ahead and try. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm not 14 anymore, yeah, so right. I'm not tipping cows. But uh, so we're going to the Mesa Farmer's Market and we're picking, you know, hand selecting some produce and things like that. We make a, uh, a couple different uh, beers that use a locally sourced prickly pear. So if if we can if we can connect with somebody that you know is local and they're a producer and we can make something work either on our menu or in our beer, uh, we certainly always want to do that. Why is that important to you? Uh, we we cook scratch at home every single night of the week. Uh, we like to eat real food. Yeah. And so when when we're hosting people and when we're trying to provide an experience. I can't open a bag of food and warm it up and serve it to you and feel good about that. I can't go to sleep at night if I do that. Yeah. So we, we're going to make things from scratch. If we can't make our food equally as good as our beer, then we've got no business doing this. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to just fake it. Mark Schneff agrees. I think it's so incredibly important that people are able to access local fruits and vegetables, whether it's coming directly to a farm like us or whether it's going to a farmer's market or whether it's going to a restaurant that has sourced their food um, locally. It's just better. It tastes better. It tastes different. It has better nutrients in it if you're able to wait until that that fruit or vegetable is really ripe. So it's not just a psychological thing when we talk about preferring something that's grown locally. There is something that's really happening in the dirt. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's exactly right. And now the question my dad would like to ask. The concept of agritourism, what do you think is motivating those people? Why do they want to experience that? Come to a different place that isn't their home to experience I really believe there's an innate desire for for all people to do that because it, it's a connection with their past at some point in time in people's family history they had people that grew things um, even if it was just a, a garden in the back yard to support their family um, people have a connection with the soil well I mean just to piggyback on what Mark said like uh, if you go back historically you know, civilization and humans literally began with the advent of agriculture. 
like that's what happened uh we were nomadic and we were you know we were chasing animals and picking plants as we moved along and uh you know if you if you trace it all the way back to uh, mesopotamia like they started planting grain and that's where beer started as well so uh, i think that it it is in the soil and it's in it's in everybody's dna and it's hardwired gentlemen farmers and philosophers they brought the goods to their interview that day literally mark you brought some today what what variety is this so these are the earliest peaches that that we have uh, these are white peaches can you spare three of those that we could take no a bite? i brought them for the group yeah you're gonna eat over your cup and i'm gonna eat over my script <laughs> i think right because these go- are going to be really i'm going juicy. back to my farm so if it drips on me okay. <laughs> you're all right again mark this is a um what's the name the variety name is called snow angel but it's a white peach yep that is all sugar yeah isn't it Georgia, hang your head in shame. <laughs> they might have won the national championship in football, but I got nothing on us on peaches. Yeah, that's fantastic. I asked Michelle, what was the meaning of the fresh foodie trail? These culinary experiences are actually so much greater than just opening up the menu and, you know, picking your meal for that one point in time. These are opportunities to really understand and get back to what makes these meals so great you know what makes them great is that you've got passionate people that are putting in so much thought and so much blood sweat and tears into their product everyone's lifting each other up that's the one thing that um, i think makes mesa so unique is that everybody's got each other's back right the farmer has the back of the brewer the brewer has the back of the baker i think that's really important i took my 89 year old dad to steadfast farms to see if he could catch the spirit of it all. And so, so when they built this community, they said, hey, we want to have like a little local farm. And, and I don't know, it makes people feel like they're living the way that you grew up. I mean, can you kind of see that, that this would be like an attractive feature of living out here? Yeah, I, I can see it. People have never been on a farm. Yeah. Stuff. Doesn't this make you want to go and, and milk cows again? <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess the magic of agritourism has its limits. If you haven't hit the Fresh Foodie Trail, come on, people. It's right there for the taking. Go to visitmesa.com and click on Farms and Agritourism, and you're on your way. For Visit Mesa and for the love of Mesa, I'm Brian Nissen.